Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. You guys know what's up. Still can't get enough of that national championship gear? Alumni Hall has you covered. Make sure to check them out online at alumnihall.com or in-store inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center for the best selection of national championship gear or really any George gear that you're going to find anywhere on earth. Because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. As you guys know, I am your host, Tyler. And today, with the first pitch of the 2023 season coming up tomorrow at Foley Field, I've got a little Georgia baseball talk for you today here on the podcast. My goal here today is to give you guys a comprehensive preview of the 2023 season because I'm excited. I'm excited about Georgia baseball. I think we are trending in the right direction. And I really believe it's just a matter of time before we break through and actually get to a Super Regional. Haven't gotten there yet under Scott Strickland. We've been close a couple times, but have not quite taken that step. I think it's just a matter of time. Will it be this year? We'll find out, but let's go ahead and dive into it. But let's start by taking a quick look back at last season. Kind of give you guys an idea of where we are coming from. Last year was a good year. It was a good, solid year for the Dogs. 36-23 and 23 overall. 500 in the league. Went 15-15 and 15 in the SEC, which is the best conference in the country. If you don't pay attention much to college baseball, just like football, the SEC is hands down, not even close, the best conference in the country. And we finished second in the SEC East. The West was stronger last year. Usually is, but we finished second in the East last year. Had some good moments. Had some series that we that we wish we could have um, gotten back, and, and certainly should have won that we did not win down the stretch. We did make a postseason appearance. We got selected to be a three seed in the Chapel Hill Regional, so we didn't host a regional, which we had uh, going back prior to COVID for two straight years. We were national seeds, but hey, we we got a postseason bid. Didn't do much with it. We went one and two once again. Did not make the Super Regional. And for those of you who really, really don't follow college baseball very closely, the way it works is you have a four-team regional. If you win the regional, you go to a super regional. If you win the super regional, which is just two teams playing a series, basically, if you win that super regional, 
then you earn a bid to the College World Series. So we haven't even gotten out of the regional part of the postseason. So we've got to do that first before we can talk College World Series. I guess first we have to make the postseason again. But we really, really, really need to find a way to win a regional and get to a Super Regional. Because anything can happen in a Super Regional. But this year, we enter the 2023 season unranked. We're not a ranked team. We finished last year. We also finished last year unranked. But we were top 25 in the RPI. I think we were at 24th in the RPI last year, but coming into the season, the expectations aren't especially high among the national media out there. I mean, hell, it's not just the media. The coaches in the SEC have picked us to finish fifth, not in the conference, but fifth in the SEC East, which would be 10th overall in the league. So no, the expectations aren't especially high, but in college baseball, that doesn't always matter all that much. The reality is there's not as much coverage of college baseball, so not as much is known about each individual team. Now, the coaches would know more than the national media because they play against these guys. But baseball is a strange thing. It's very different than football or basketball because these guys, they, they spend all summer long playing in different leagues all over the country. And there's a lot of development that happens between you know your freshman year, your sophomore year, sophomore year to your junior year. The guys get a lot better. There's a lot of coaching. There's a lot of playing that goes on. So when you play that much, you, you start to see these guys develop more and more. And you can have a guy that has been a solid player for most of his career come in as, as a junior or senior and just explode. Like That is not uncommon when it comes to college baseball because they just play so much during the offseason. It's not like football where like you don't play a football game. Once your season ends, you don't play another football game until the season starts, the college football season starts in early September, late August, whatever the wherever it falls that given year. Baseball, they're playing, they're playing pretty much year round. These guys play a ton. So the development happens more so in college baseball at the college level than you see maybe some of these other sports. They just play so much and then there's not as much coverage of it so you don't know really who's developed until you get into the season. So I never really put as much stock into the preseason projections because it just doesn't seem to be as relevant when it comes to college baseball. But this season for the Dogs is going to be a different type of season. Last year was too, to be honest with you. And we talked about this when we did the preseason preview last year. I felt like last year's team might be a little bit more offensively driven than our teams had been under Scott Strickland prior to last year. Really, up until 2022, last year, our teams were very, very pitching dominant. That's what they were driven by, was just elite starting pitching, whether it's guys like Emerson Hancock, who's really, really coming on for the Mariners and their organization. Tony Losey was a big hoss for us back in the day. John Cannon last year or two. Cole Wilcox is really good for us. And our offense has always been average at best under Scott Strickland, like doing just enough to help us score enough runs to win baseball games and really relying on elite starting pitching. Coming into last year, I wasn't so sure that we had the starting pitching to lean on. I felt really good about John Cannon, but outside of him, I didn't know what we were going to get from guys like Liam Sullivan and who that third starter was actually going to end up being. And that, that was a problem for us all year long. Nolan Crisp, who had been a bullpen guy his entire career, really came on for us. And was, I mean, for stretches outside of Cannon was our best pitcher. And he was able to stay healthy more. I mean, we had a lot of injuries last year with, when it came to our pitching staff. Whether it was John Cannon, Liam Sullivan missed a chunk of time. 
but the starting pitching fell off a cliff last year. If you go, if you guys go back, so go back to I think 2018, we were sixth in the SEC in Team ERA. In 2019, we were awesome. We were second in the in the SEC in Team ERA. 2020, we were incredible, but that was obviously the COVID year. We were ranked top three in the country in 2020 when the year was canceled going into S- going into SEC play. We were actually set to take on Florida in a big series, and our pitching might have been the best pitching we'd ever had. But I'm not going to count that because it wasn't a full season. And then uh, bounce back in 2021 with the fit with fifth in the SEC in Team ERA. Last year, we absolutely fell off a cliff. 13th, 13th out of 14 teams in the SEC. That's where we finish in Team ERA, 5.67. That is not going to get it done, especially when we've had the offensive issues that we have traditionally had under Scott Strickland. Fortunately, our offense did come around last year, and I thought we would have a better season at the plate, and we did. It just wasn't good enough to compensate for that dramatic drop-off when it came to our team ERA. And it wasn't just starting pitching. Starting pitching was very inconsistent. Even Cannon himself, he was really good to start the season, really kind of fell off, got injured, and came back, and he ended up with an ERA a little over four last year. So it wasn't a stellar year for John Cannon. But really, our bullpen was a disaster. Our bullpen was an abject disaster last year. The only saving grace we had was Jack Gowan and the back end as the closer. Like, he was awesome. He was fantastic for us. It was, I mean, it got to the point where you, know, you typically you want to give the ball to your closer in the ninth inning. Man, we were having to bring Gowan out there in the eighth, sometimes in the seventh, like just trying to get wins. Like, if we had leads, like, all right, let's bring Gowan in. Like, let's just let's just get him out there and see if this guy can close out a win for us. Because the rest of the bullpen, outside of maybe Chandler Marsh, who was good for us at times, it was bad, man. Like, it, it, it was a really, really, really tough look for the bullpen all year. In fact, when, like, when the starting pitching, when we had... Had to go to the pin like in the fifth or sixth inning. It's like, oh my god! Like even if we have a lead, it's like, how long is this going to last? It was it was pretty dreadful for most of the year. But I do want to start with the offense this year because I do think this team is going to have to be offensive driven. So let's go let's go with the position players before we get back into the pitching. This year we're fortunate. We have our two leading home run hitters coming back this year. And Connor Tate and Parks Harbor both had 13 home runs last year. In fact, we have our top three home run hitters from last year, if you throw in Corey Collins with, with 11 home runs. And Connor Tate was awesome for us again last year. He's been awesome for us for a while. His brother, his twin brother, Cole, has moved on, but Connor chose to come back. He used his super senior year to come back for another year. He hit, he hit 345 for us last year, 13 home runs, 58 RBIs, led us in both home runs and RBIs. So, it is an absolute luxury to get Connor Tate back. I'm very, very excited about that. He's probably going to play left field for us. Uh, Parks Harbor is a guy who had a really, really tough freshman year. He, he started all right as a freshman, and he was actually starting and really hit some hard times once he got into SEC play. Lost his starting job, was only getting a few at-bats here and there as the season progressed. And last year, started off for him much the same way. And I was like, man, this guy, like... He looks like he should be a big hitter. Like you see the flashes of him, you see he's got some power, but he just couldn't consistently put the ball in play as a freshman. And to open last year's like, man, you see a lot of the same things. But dude, this guy absolutely turned it on really once we got an SEC play. It was kind of the complete inverse of what we saw as a freshman. And he ended up having an incredible year for us at 307, 53 RBIs, 13 home runs. And he's a dude that just has like that country strength. Sometimes he'll take a ball that he has no business driving 
out of the park or driving it deep into left field or right field in the alley, wherever. And he somehow makes that happen. It just kind of jumps off his bat. So I'm really, really excited about Parks Harbor this year. In fact, I think Parks could blow up. I, I think the way he ended last year, how strong he was in SEC play, you could see the confidence growing. I mean, I mean, you could have made the argument that in SEC play, especially as the season progressed, that Parks was our best hitter. I mean, Connor Tate was awesome, obviously. I mean, he probably was our better hit, our best hitter. But Parks was right there. Even though he started off a little slow, he really, really, really came on. So really excited to get both those guys back. I'm really hoping that Corey Collins, who's going to play a little bit of catcher for us, he'll also DH, he'll probably start as our DH because Fernando Gonzalez is an awesome catcher and he's going to play catcher for us most nights. But Corey will probably play once a weekend for us behind the plate. But he's a guy, talk about a dude that has power. Corey Collins has moonshot type power, and he hits some absolute moonshots. 11 home runs, 37 RBIs last year. It was hitting over 300 for a big stretch of the season, but had kind of the opposite experience of Parks Harbor. Once again, the SEC play, he really, really started to struggle. Teams were throwing a lot of off-speed stuff to him. One thing that, that frustrates me watching Corey Collins play, at least the first two years of his career, I think he takes way too many good pitches. I, and I, You never know if it's the coaches telling him to take the pitch. I just have a hard time believing all the good pitches he takes. Like He, he almost always takes the first pitch very, very, very often. And far too often, that first pitch is grooved right in there. and could be a pitch that he could easily barrel up and drive. So I think he gets himself behind in the counts far too easily. And I would like to see him be more aggressive early in the count this year. Because I think if he is, he's a guy that could also really, really take off this season and become one of the best hitters in the SEC, at least from a power standpoint. Because he's certainly got that moonshot power. And then another guy that I'm really excited about actually seeing play, because I haven't really seen him play, is a guy named Charlie Condon. Yes, cousin of Owen Condon, who now plays at SMU, but used to play at Georgia, transferred out a couple years ago. But Charlie is a redshirt freshman, and all I have heard all offseason is people raving about the summer and the fall that this guy had. I mean, I've seen Scott Strickland talk about how he's got to find a way to get Charlie Condon in the lineup, and that he has to be a mainstay in the lineup. Like, he's had that good of an offseason. So I'm very, very excited to see what he's capable of, because if he can be that kind of guy to match with Connor Tate and Parks Harbor and hopefully Cora Collins, watch out. Like, this could be an absolute murderer's row lineup. And I haven't even mentioned another guy that I'm very high on that I think has moonshot power, Cole Wagner. He basically split the DH duties with Corey Collins last year. As Corey started to struggle late in the season, Cole started to get some more at-bats. He ended up hitting 276, six home runs, 21 RBIs. Didn't have near as many at-bats as Collins. He had 123 at-bats to Collins' 203. But as a freshman last year, I thought he really showed some signs of the ability to be a big time hitter in the future. And I, I hope again, he's another guy that I think could take off, but that's the thing. We have a lot of really good hitters, guys, guys that have done good things for us that have shown power have shown flashes, but none of these guys outside of maybe you can say Connor Tate because Connor Tate has been really good for us for a couple of years now. One of the better hitters in the sec, but we need another guy to step up to be a big time, consistent elite hitter in the SEC. I think Parks Harbor was the closest to that last year outside of Connor Tate, at least among the guys that we have returning this year. Colts, they had a really good year for us as well. But Parks is a guy that's shown he can hit for average. He can hit for power. He can drive runs in. I think he's probably going to hit third in the lineup, which is where he hit most of last year. 
and he'll probably he'll probably protect Connor Tate, which could mean Connor Tate could have another he should have another great season. But I think Harbor could be that guy. But I'm I'm also excited about what we can see from Corey Collins in his third year, what Cole Wagner can give us, and again, very very excited to see what we have in Charlie Condon, who's probably going to hit cleanup for us, from what I understand right now. So this has the chance to be one hell of a lineup. And I haven't even mentioned Ben Anderson, who's back for his sixth season as our leadoff hitter. And he really had a bounce back year last year. He struggled to get on base. He struggled to, to get hits in 2021 after having a really good first year with us when he, when he came uh, prior to COVID. Transferred in from Furman, had a really good year. And he also has some really good power for a leadoff guy. Really good speed. Like if, if he can do what he did last year, he hit 275 for us and nine home runs, 34 RBIs. And he can set the table for guys like Connor Tate and Parks Harbor and Charlie Condon and Cole Wagner. I mean, this could be a flat-out dangerous lineup. And here's another guy I forgot to mention, Fernando Gonzalez, our starting catcher. He's probably going to hit, if I had to guess right now, probably sixth in the lineup. And to have a guy like Fernando Gonzalez hitting sixth in your lineup in the SEC, I'm telling you, man, you're not going to be able to find many teams in this league or anywhere else around the country that can boast a lineup like that, that can put a lineup out there with that kind of depth. So I'm really, really excited about what we can do from an offensive standpoint. And I do think we're going to have to be carried by the offense this year. We'll get to the pitching here in just a few minutes. But before I get there, let's uh, real quickly here, I went through what I think the lineup's going to be. If I had to guess, I would say probably Ben Anderson leading off, Connor Tate probably hitting the two-hole, Parks Harbor three. I'm hearing that Charlie Condon's going to hit four. I would predict Corey Collins in that five-hole, Fernando Gonzalez catcher in the six-hole, probably probably. Cole Wagner in the seven hole. And then we've got two new guys coming in as transfers. Sebastian Murillo from Long Beach State. He's going to play shortstop for us. He's going to fill in for Cole Tate from last year. And Mason LaPlante is a guy who graduated from Yale. And he's going to play second base for us on most days out there. And in some order, they'll, they'll hit eight and nine for us, I would imagine, to at least open the season. You're going to see Parks Harbor play third base for us most games, but he also has the ability to slide over and play first. He'll do that at times. When he plays first, you'll we'll probably see uh, Will David, who's a, tr- a transfer from Sanford. He'll probably play third when Parks is playing first. Connor Tate's probably going to play left field for us. Ben Anderson's in center field. He plays a fantastic center field, really great athlete out there. And you'll probably see Cole Wagner out in right field. And apparently, Corey Collins, who has played catcher for us when he plays the position to this point in his career, he apparently worked a lot as an outfielder, particularly a right fielder, this past summer, this past fall, and has kind of added that to his game as well. So he might get some looks out there if he's not playing catcher. But again, I think he'll probably play catcher most series, probably once a weekend. And it looks like Charlie Condon will be playing first base for us most days out there on the diamond. So really, really excited about this lineup, about this position group. And I think they have a chance to be the absolute unquestioned strength of this team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys, we got to talk about this pitching again. It was an absolute disaster last year. 13th out of 14 teams in the SEC in ERA over five and a half. And that was with John Cannon as our ace Friday night starter, who we no longer have on this team. So we entered 2023 as the second worst pitching staff in the league last year. And we don't have a surefire Friday night ace. Like we don't have that surefire dude that's going to take them out on Friday night and just going to be lights out every single week. We don't have that guy. We've always had that guy. We've always had one of those guys under Scott Strickland. We don't have that guy right now. We don't have the proven guy. I'm not saying that one of these guys cannot step up into that role and become that, but we have no one right now that's proven they are that guy. And that is a concern of mine, a major concern of mine, probably the major concern of mine heading into this season. It's going to be Jaden Woods. Jaden Woods is going to get the ball on Friday night to open the season against Jacksonville State. Jaden has not been a starter in his career. He he started a few games and been a spot starter here and there midweek at times, but he's primarily been a guy that we tried to use to set up Jack Gowan last year. He he was a setup man. Like that's that was his role. And we used him as a stopper at times because he has he has ability. That's the thing with Jaden Woods. Jaden Woods has stuff. Like he has an incredible arm. He has a fantastic fastball. It's got some movement on it. It's got some juice to it. It's got some life to it. The problem for Jaden Woods through the first two years of his career is he has the fastball and basically nothing else. He's been a two-pitch guy. He's been a two-pitch guy, and his off-speed stuff really hasn't been all that good. So that's been a major problem for him when he plays against actual legitimate competition. You can get away with that stuff in high school, and you can be an elite recruit because coaches think, oh, okay, we can develop this guy. We can add pitches to his repertoire, all that. If you have that speed, if you have that velocity on your fastball, like that's something you have a tougher time teaching. So Obviously, coming out of high school, he was a big-time recruit, and I'm very glad that we landed him. And he's done some really good things for us. He's gotten us out of jams. He's been a good pitcher for us. He's had good outings, but he also just got crushed the back half of the SEC schedule last year because what happens when all that you really have is a fastball? I don't care how good the fastball is. When you play in the SEC, the best conference in the country with the best hitters in the country, they are going to be able to time that up, and they are going to crush you which is exactly what happened the back half of last year. It got to the point where I felt bad for Jaden. Like you can kind of see the confidence draining in him because this is a guy who never experienced anything like that. Like when you're a big recruit like he was and you have some a good amount of success early in your career, all of a sudden now you're just getting rocked. That's tough. That's tough to handle. But the fastball is great, man. It is elite. It is an awesome fastball. And from my understanding, he spent a lot of time this offseason trying to add more to his game, trying to add more pitches and improve his off-speed stuff. Because if he can do that to pair that with his fastball, then this guy can be an absolute beast. He can be a front-line Friday night starter in the SEC. He absolutely has that capability. He has that kind of arm. It's just a matter of how much confidence does he have in that off-speed stuff? How much did it improve over the off-season? I'm very, very hopeful. I'm very hopeful. But he's really got to take a step with that off-speed stuff. Because, I mean, guys, last year... Jaden gave up 12 home runs in 54.1 innings pitched. 12 home runs in 54 innings pitched. That number's got to come down. That number's just got to come down. And I think if he improves his off-speed stuff to pair that with the elite fastball, I think it will. So I'm hopeful, 
But we just got to see because right now we haven't seen it consistently from him. And um, I just, I hope this is the year, man. I really hope it is. If it is, if Jaden can be that guy for us, this team has a chance to make a lot of noise this season. And then on Saturdays, it's going to be Liam Sullivan. He was our Saturday starter last year and he was, he was solid for us last year. He wasn't particularly great, wasn't bad, was was solid for us. He did deal with some injuries last year, ended up going four and three with a four, six, two ERA. Teams did hit 265 against him, which is not really ideal. You want to get that number down closer to like the mid 220s, 230 somewhere. It's where our, our top two pitchers usually are. You know, John Kane last year, 226. That's where Emerson Hancock was hanging around for a long time. So I want to get that number down a little bit. But Liam's a bigger guy. Um, he, he's not as big of a strikeout guy. Like Jaden Woods, you know, gave a lot of home runs. But again, that fastball is elite. And he was our strikeout guy. Like we need to strike somebody out. We bring in Jaden Woods. 80 strikeouts and 54 innings pitched last year. Sullivan uh, threw 48 innings last year and only struck out 51 guys. So he's got he, he's got a solid fastball. It's not Jaden Woods level stuff, but his off speed stuff is more advanced than Jaden's. But he, he's going to be a guy. I don't, I don't I don't expect Sullivan to be an elite Saturday guy, but I think he's going to be a guy that can go out there and give us a chance to win and keep the uh, opposing team off the off the board enough for our what I think is going to be elite offense to score enough runs to win most of his starts. At least that's that's certainly my hope. Now the third starter, the Sunday starter, that has been a battle. Nolan Chris is a guy that really came on last year and uh, was a bullpen guy for the vast majority of his career and came on and became that that third starter for us last year and did a really, really good job. I, I was very impressed with what he was able to do. I thought he might be the guy coming into this season. I thought actually he probably was the, was the leader in the clubhouse to be the Sunday starter, but it appears that he has been beaten out. It appears that he's been beaten out by a freshman, in fact. A guy by the name of Blake Gillespie, who I don't know a ton about because I've never seen the guy pitch. I'm excited to see him pitch on Sunday, but he, as of right now, he's going to get the ball on Sundays as our number three starter. And I, I do expect Nolan Chris to be right there in the mix to be our starting midweek guy, our number one midweek guy. I've also heard a lot of really good things about another freshman, Matthew Hoskins, who's actually not going to play this week, and he's out for some reason. Apparently, it's not COVID, which is what I kind of thought it was, but it's something else, but I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. He'll be in that conversation as well to be our midweek starter. But with the way that we've dealt with injuries on the pitching staff the past couple of years, knock on wood here, it's a luxury to have a guy like Nolan Crisp who has had some experience and has some success in the SEC as a starting pitcher. So I'm really glad to have that security blanket. And look, he's going to be a big piece for us out of the bullpen. One of the things that hurt us last year with our bullpen, as I mentioned earlier, was a disaster for us. Well, when Crisp had to get moved in the starting lineup, that really hurt the bullpen because he was one of the more reliable arms that we had back there. And he, now he's a starting pitcher. All of a sudden, well, that takes one of your more reliable arms out of the pen. And now you got to rely on other guys who weren't ready for that role. They just simply were not ready for it. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. But speaking of the bullpen, let's go there because this was the problem last year, guys. Starting pitching wasn't elite. It wasn't as good as it had been in previous years, but it was good enough. The bullpen was the problem. The bullpen was no doubt the problem outside of Jack Gowan. Jack Gowan was an absolute monster for us back there back there last year. He carried us. He flat out carried the bullpen last year. Had a 2.39 ERA, went 2 and 0. Had how many saves did he have last year? Had 10 saves on the year. Struck out 50 batters in 37 innings pitch. The dude was awesome for us. He was flat out awesome. He had the the whole stash thing going on. Like he was just he was like your prototypical meathead John Rocker-esque closer, and he was a badass, man. And I'm going to miss him this year. I just love watching him play, and he was really productive for us. So as a team, we're going to miss him as well. If I had to guess, and this is also what I've heard, so from what I understand, it's going to be Chandler Marsh, who is a sophomore, who did some really good things for us as a freshman. He is going to get the first look as our closer. And I was actually impressed with what I saw from Marsh last year as a freshman. Ended up with a 3.74 ERA, 4-1, and struck out 44 batters in 33 innings pitch. He's He's got a good fastball. It's not a Jaden Woods caliber fastball, but he's got a good arm. And I... Jaden can run the ball like 95, like mid-90s, and maybe can at times touch the, the high 90s, but not really consistently. Marsh is like a guy that can hit the mid-90s, at least like he was last year. We'll see how he's progressed this year. But again, I thought his off-speed stuff was a little bit more advanced than, than even Jaden Wood's stuff was last year. So if he can build off that and some of the success, the experience he got last year as a freshman, I think he has a chance to be a, a really good option for us as the closer. I don't know if it'll be Jack Gowan level good for us. I don't anticipate that, but I think he'll be really good for us back there. And I expect him to be uh, the guy that gets the ball there in the ninth inning most of the season. I think the big question is going to be, who's that setup guy? Because that was primarily Jaden's role last year. He's going to be a starting pitcher. Is it going to be Nolan Crisp? Is he going to be the midweek starter? Like, I don't know how that's going to play out. If it's not Nolan Crisp, who is that going to be? Because that is a major concern of mine as well. There are a number of veterans we have coming back that have pitched some innings for us, but haven't been especially great. Will Pearson has had his moments, kind of like a three-quarter release from North Dakota High School. His dad used to be an assistant basketball coach for us under Mark Fox. I actually know Will uh, pretty well, and uh, Will's a good dude. He's a really good dude. He's, he's got some good stuff, and it's just a funky release. You bring him in and kind of throws batters off, and, and he's got some good off-speed stuff, and he's done some really good things for us. The back half of last year for Will wasn't especially great. I can admit that. It was not a, a great SEC run for Will, but I, I thought he was really good as a freshman for us and had some moments last year as well, but he's got a lot of experience, and, and he's certainly a veteran arm back there for us. Michael Polk as well, same thing, very veteran arm, bigger guy, Colin Caldwell. Luke Wagner's another guy. Luke Wagner's an interesting guy. He's done some spot starting for us, and maybe he's going to be in the conversation potentially as a midweek guy. Um, he's also pitched out of the pin for us. He, he he can actually hit the ball fairly well, but he's not going to be an everyday position player for us. He's become more of a pitcher for us. He's going to play, he's going he's to pitch out of the bullpen. I just don't know where he's going to fit in, and he's had his moments. He's been very up and down. Charlie Goldstein's another guy that I've heard some really good things about during the offseason that he's really started to come on. I haven't seen a ton from him um, actually here for Georgia, but apparently had a good offseason, so we'll see what he can do. Coleman Willis was our top pitching recruit coming in last year, a very highly rated guy. I thought he might actually go pro, and I thought we were very fortunate to get him. I still think that didn't really have the year I expected him to have last year. In fact, he just wasn't good. I mean, let's just call it what it is. He was not good. His ERA was over nine. I mean, that's not good. He had 17 innings pitched. 
gave up, well, how many earned runs did he give up? He gave up 18 runs in 17 innings pitch. So not a good freshman year at all, but he's he's got the profile and he's got the arm. Like he was just wild last year, guys. Like he was absolutely wild. He had more walks than strikeouts. Had 18 walks and 16 strikeouts. But he's got he's got the arm. He's got the stuff. Can he harness it though? That's the question. If he can harness it, he can give us something. Like he could eventually be a starter force if he can start to harness it. But last year was not a good look for him. So hopefully, he can bounce back in a big way this year. But Scott Strickland is not an idiot. He saw exactly what I saw. I'm sure it was more frustrating for him than it was for me and all the other fans out there watching. He knows. The bullpen was an issue last year. And so he tried to go out and address in the transfer portal. He brought in a couple of guys. Dalton Radins brought in from Wofford. Brought in Pace Mercer from Abraham Baldwin Technical College. So we'll see how that goes. Zach DeVito might be the prized bullpen piece that we added this year. He's a transfer from Tulane. He was their closer last year. Had nine saves on the year. Had an ERA right at four he struck out 40 batters in 24 innings pitch. So he might get a shot. If Chandler Marsh falters at any point, maybe he gets a shot to be that ninth inning guy. Or maybe he fills in in that setup role, which it might not be as important as the, as the closer, but it's not far off. Like you got to get to the closer at some point, and these starters aren't going to, they don't go into the eighth inning very often. At least not this starting pitching group that we have this year. And then the final transfer that we brought in for, in the bullpen is a guy named Kyle Greenler from Elon. So I don't know what to expect from most of those guys. I haven't seen any of them pitch. I know DeVito has the better resume coming in uh, out of those four. So we'll see how they fit in. But um, he tried, man. Like Scott Strickland tried to address that weakness because it was a major weakness for us last year. And maybe Matthew Hoskins, if he doesn't factor into the midweek rotation, maybe he's a guy that becomes a key piece for us in the bullpen because he's got a he's got a lot of hype coming out of high school as well. But the good thing is, is we have a lot of options. I don't know that we have a lot of answers right now when it comes to pitching staff, whether it's the starting starting staff or whether it's the bullpen. We don't have a ton of answers, but we have a lot of options. So now it's just a matter of seeing who rises to the top and how we fit these pieces together. And that's what these first couple series are going to be about prior to getting into SEC play. We really don't have any big time non-conference uh, series outside of, of course, the annual Georgia Tech series, and the annual Clemson series that will play midweek over the course of the year. But at the end of the day, if we can get our ERA back to just respectability, I'm not talking about top quarter of the SEC like we had been most years under Scott Strickland, at least when we started to make the postseason runs. If we can just get to like middle of the pack in the SEC and find a few answers in the bullpen and maybe have one of those guys between Woods and Sullivan emerge as a legit top of the top of the staff pitcher for us, I think this is a Georgia baseball team that could prove some people wrong. Now, is this a College World Series team? Probably not. But I do think if, if things fall into place from a pitching standpoint, with the lineup that we have, with the bats that we have, and honestly the experience that we have at the plate coming into this season, I think this is a team that could potentially be the team that gets to a Super Regional for the first time under Scott Strickland. Now, we'll see. Like, There's a lot of baseball we played. Obviously, the season hasn't even started yet, but I'm just very excited to see a team that can actually hit the baseball, which we haven't really seen from Georgia baseball teams, You know, with the exception of last year. We started turning in the right direction offensively last year, but it still wasn't where it needed to be. This year, I think that is not going to be a problem. I think we're, we are set there. It's just uh, it's a weird situation where now we have to worry about, can we find enough pitching? If Jaden Woods can become that guy, if he can start to live up to his potential, and that potential is immense, then this is a team that could be really, really dangerous. It's just hard for me to predict that right now without knowing how much progress Jaden Woods has made. So that is why I'm very excited 
to get out to Foley Field and watch him pitch tomorrow in the season opening series against Jacksonville State. But we will be covering it all year long here on the Glory UGA podcast. I know that a lot of you, when, when we get into the depths of the football offseason, a lot of people start to get that seasonal depression. I get that, guys. And you're waiting for the Braves, and and the Braves are great too. But you know what? It's also fun when Georgia baseball is good and we can find some coverage out there. So we're going to try to fill that void for you guys and give you something to look forward to here during the offseason. But have a fantastic weekend, guys. I hope we get a sweep here. We need a sweep. But Jacksonville State, we have to get two out of three. A sweep against a program like this would be very nice. Now, they played in the A-Sun, which is actually a, a pretty good baseball league. But uh, let's let's come out swinging, guys, and let's get a sweep to get things started off on the right foot. But uh, I'm Tyler. I appreciate you guys being here. Have an awesome weekend. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>